So I'm here at the National Hepatitis Conference, the fourth National Hepatitis Conference uh, being held in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. It's uh, been a very exciting first morning and there's been some very important announcements which will make a big difference to the approach to hepatitis C management in Malaysia in particular, but have implications for models of hepatitis C treatment in our region and in fact globally. So I'm lucky to be joined by three of the uh, people who have been centrally involved in the hepatitis response so far uh, in Malaysia. And so what I'm going to do, if I can move through and ask you each to introduce yourselves and then to give your perspectives on the announcement that's been made this morning uh, by the uh, Deputy Minister for Health and uh, then to talk about the, what it means for Malaysia. Uh, I'm Dr. Rosaida Binti Haji Mak Said. I'm working as a f uh, consultant physician and a gastroenterologist and hepatologist in Hospital Ampang, one of the hospitals uh, with a gastro and hepatology unit in Selangor. Um, I have been working with uh, this hepatitis and uh, area since 2000. Yes. When I start my gastroenterology training, mm -hmm. so um, I have been one of the working group in the in bringing up this hepatitis, and I have been uh, 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 starting this hepatitis uh, initially as a symposium, a small one as the first one in a hospital level. Yes. And the second, third, and fourth as a national and become more bigger. bigger. Yes, well, more than 600 people here today, I understand, yes, yes, yes. From, from all over Malaysia and, in yes. fact, the world. We've got yeah. many people from around yeah. the world. So I wonder if you could just take me briefly through the announcement that was made this morning and what you think that means for patients uh, here in Malaysia in particular. I think it's a very good move because uh, all this while, the treatment all based on the hospital level. And following this, we will going to be decentralized the patients, uh, the treatment to the uh, the clinic kesehatan or, or the health clinic. What we will do is, with the cooperation from Fine and the NDI, we have these uh, studies where trials where the uh, the POCT will be done at clinic kesehatan. Once they are diagnosed positive, they will refer to our hospital. And during the first visit. They will. We will do the uh, viral load testing. If positive, the second visit will have the uh, genotyping, and during the third visit, we will treat the patient, either using the uh, sophos or ravi, using the DNDI uh, uh, treatment, or we use the government compulsory licensing with the sophos device and daclatasvir. So what we'll do is, how we are to decentralize the patient now is, if we, the patient is eligible for DNDI study, the STOM2, mm -hmm. we will recruit in the hospital. But if the patient is non-serotic and very simple, so and not eligible for DNDI study, then we will send the drug together with the patient back to the uh, uh, family medicine specialist to treat at the uh, health clinics. So really shifting that focus of care for people who don't have complicated needs yes. back to primary health care, care centre. Yeah. And the announcement uh, or the discussions today around how the treatment's going to be provided free yes. uh, in yes. the public system yeah. under, the, under the auspices of this compulsory yeah. licensing, licensing that Malaysia yeah. has pursued. 
if this health clinic uh, treated in health clinic the patients only have to pay one dollar for registration but in hospital they pay five one ringgit isn't it one, one, one ringgit, ringgit. Uh, so it's like 30 uh, uh, dollar yeah so uh, say like, dollar but means a ringgit yeah, yeah, yeah ringgit yeah. so <laughs> it's like in australian terms about 30 cents yes. or something like that yes. so uh, amazing amazing yes. initiative yes. Um, and so, if I might then proceed to yourself, please. Sure. Uh, I'm Ranga Sampath. I'm here representing FIND. Uh, we work, uh, we're an NGO based in Geneva, but work on uh, developing diagnostics and making diagnostics accessible yes. uh, uh, around the world, especially in the resource-limited settings. Mm. And so we're excited to be part of this because, again, you know, the, the announcement today about decentralization, we work on the diagnostic decentralization, which yes. is a really good partnership. And again, the idea is if it's a test and treat approach, you want to find the right patient population and then get them into the treatment, you know, uh, uh, treatment arm for the clinical care piece of it. So we feel that diagnostics is uh, sort of the critical piece in identifying the patient at the lowest possible level at the primary healthcare center. Look, I think, I mean, it is such an important issue. I think a lot of the focus has been on drug pricing. Mm -hmm. For many years, people have been talking about the price of DAAs, but the price and accessibility of appropriate diagnostics seems to have been lost in that argument and without testing someone you can't treat them obviously. exactly that you know that that's been sort of uh, dndi and find sort of were uh, uh, formed around the same time uh, mm. with the same idea in mind find being the exclusive sort of diagnostic side of the world yes. dndi doing uh, the drug side uh, so what we have focused on is championing this you know tuberculosis malaria and so on now sort of in hcv is the same way is to make these uh, rapid diagnostic tests that are really accessible at the like in this case uh, the primary healthcare center mm. and uh, clinic kashiatana i believe the name, name yes. is and so trying to get them to the, all these distributed centers so you can get where the patients actually meet the, uh, uh, the first point of contact. And if you can do simple but quality assured rapid diagnostic tests, so you can actually, it's not just a coin toss, you're actually believing the test that you're yeah, getting. Yeah, it's reliable. Reliable. And then that takes you into the second arm, which then goes into confirmatory testing and, and which, whether you go into the DNDI trial or the government treatment and so on. So it's, it's a critical piece of this. The other piece that we're also working with uh, sort of the uh, treatment action group uh, is to bring awareness and education such that the diagnostic is not just something that's uh, uh, passively done, mm. but there's an active both community as well as uh, uh, healthcare worker training uh, and bring the education level for the diag- or the information content that the diagnostics is important yeah. and the value- role it plays. So uh, really looking at the demand side as at well. At the demand side to make sure that this is something front and center, especially given the free treatment. Yes. You know, so we're trying to get this across 45,000 yeah. patients. Uh, uh, that's really the aim of this uh, particular study. Well, it's a huge opportunity. It is a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And you've mentioned DNDI, so I might uh, introduce Jean-Michel as well. So Jean-Michel, if you'd like to p- talk a little bit about your organization's work in this space. Absolutely. So um, I'm Jean-Michel. I'm the head of uh, DNDI in, uh, in Southeast Asia, so mm. uh, based in Kuala Lumpur, and involved in this project from, from uh, the beginning. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what I find interesting about what we've been able to achieve uh, with our partners here is we started a conversation uh, on a research and development project um, at the same time as the Malaysian government was thinking how do we treat all our patients. Um, we, we didn't really have the intention to be uh, or plan to be where we are here today. So mm. we started a conversation on research and development which the Malaysian government was very interested in, just for pure research and development. And as we uh, started, I think opportunities came along. So we were very opportunistic together with the Malaysian Ministry of Health. Um, and then we brought in uh, FINE. We, talk, we started talking about so, uh, test and treat. 
we also started talking about local production, a transfer of technology. And mm -hmm. you know, that's part of the package of this program, and that's quite interesting also for the Malaysian uh, government, for the Malaysian economy, to think that eventually they are going not just uh, to produce the, the, the drug here, because it's not a big market, but learn how to produce maybe a more complex medicine than they were used to produce before. Mm -hmm. So we brought that in. We, we also have all this communication now uh, with the civil society, but also uh, we've had a fairly active um, mass communication engagement, social media engagement to promote uh, the work of the Ministry of Health and uh, this uh, exceptional access to treatment. So again, we have over uh, the years, the months, piled up uh, the different co component of um, what essentially is a successful program mm -hmm. in a very organic um, uh, way and in a very successful way. And I think that is what is remarkable uh, here. Of course, it only happened because there was a strong political leadership yeah. from the Ministry mm -hmm. of Health. Very strong. That came through uh, very strongly this morning. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> yes. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and uh, just sort of that, that multilateral partnership that's been drawn together from NGOs, from clinicians, from, pharma. in fact, pharma, yeah. and discussing the role of local pharma companies and the, that sort of information and expertise sharing yeah. from particularly Egypt and yes. their model, which we've heard a lot about today. But then the very strong, and it had to be strong, leadership from the Ministry of Health both from the previous administration and from the current administration in the face of what was quite substantial pressure from, I think uh, it's fair to say, overseas originator pharmaceutical companies that were uh, really not uh, supportive yeah. of the compulsory licensing that Malaysia has used as an instrument to try and get access for people in, a, in a, an affordable way. The, the pressure is still here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've no doubt about that. <laughs> um, but yes, and it, you know the outcome is uh, unique in the sense that uh, we might have a situation. It's not there yet, but mm. soon I hope, where Malaysia has actually three pan genotype treatment available in yeah. a way or another, using all the form of licenses available: voluntary license, mm -hmm. simple license that applies for the ravidasvir or. Um, the uh, other uh, drugs from Gilead, mm -hmm. uh, or the compulsory license, mm. you know, and that that also that's unique combination in the region. Show, show it's Malaysia is the only country where the middle income country, even low income country in Southeast Asia, mm. where the cost of treatment is around three hundred US dollar. Yeah. Everywhere else, we are closer to a, a thousand US dollar. Yeah. Which uh, is still too expensive. To implement a public public health approach, sure. You know, a uh, thousand US dollar, dollar in Laos, in Cambodia, in Vietnam, that's way too much. Mm. Uh, and and so you know, three pangenotype treatments around yeah. that price, it's it's exceptional. It's a huge opportunity. Isn't huge it? opportunity. Yeah. And that only happened because there was a willingness from uh, the Ministry of Health and the government to look at public health, to look at patients, and to fight for them. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic, and I think that, that that's a great point to sort of finish up on, is the role of patients and people who are affected by hepatitis, and that came up in the sessions this morning as well, about the importance of having the primacy of the affected community represented in, yeah. in when we're designing these policies, that people affected with hepatitis need to be there at the table, yes. um, reflecting that experience. So, if I might uh, uh, finish up by saying, what's Malaysia's next big challenge? What's Now that this announcement's been put forward, yeah. 
what 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 next for Malaysia? Okay, uh, the challenge is to get the patients to come forward to us, and once we diagnose in KK, and to come forward to, to get the treatment. The problem is our most of them are from PWID, and most of the PWID refuse to go to the hospital to get mm. the genotyping and viral load. Okay, mm. so again, I mean the the uh, in all of our countries unless we design yeah, systems and have approaches yeah, for, for people who inject drugs particular as a priority exactly. population yeah. and make sure the services are appropriate for them yes. and accessible yes. to them yes. is, is and i think that's where the whole uh, you know public awareness and sort of yes. building yes. awareness this is really ultimately it's a curable yeah. disease yeah why not take advantage of the curable disease and really getting that message yeah. across. it's so true it's, you know, it's so yeah, true well, I think Malaysia certainly is now one of the countries that's on track to eliminating viral hepatitis in line with the WHO uh, recommendations and guidelines that have been issued. So it's uh, great to have another country showing leadership and to provide an example for other countries in our region and indeed globally. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the conference. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great.